One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Monday morning, the 11th day of January. Good morning, 1850-715-996. The number, the text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. It was a most quiet weekend in Coogan Towers. None of us went outside the door. We can't. As I told you on Friday, we are isolating and minding ourselves. And thankfully, for those who have been asking and so kind of you to be asking, we are all very fit and well. Thank you very much indeed. However, the numbers elsewhere would frighten the lives out of you at the moment. Now, I, I just looking at the weekend, and without obviously revealing anything, I've, I've heard of more and more people now in the last week or two. Remember the big question they were saying for a while? The cynics were saying, oh, do you know anybody who's had it? Do you know anybody? Who? Yeah, well, not only do I know people who've had it now, slews of them. I now know of someone I know and have known for a long time who's very sick in hospital with it. So, you know, this is as real as it gets. And and I think the, the videos and photographs that I was getting from down around the marina and other places at the weekend, I was quite furious. We're supposed to be in lockdown. We're supposed to be staying at home. We're supposed to be not doing anything except going to the shop or maybe walking the dog. That kind of, that's as much as we're supposed to be doing. And the marina was jammers at the weekend. And yes, I know it's lovely. And I know the weather was great and all that. But like, lads, stay at flipping home. Like, let's do the numbers, okay? The numbers this morning, this is January the 11th. uh, The 14-day figure to today, and these are official figures as published on the Hub and by the uh, Neffet in the evening time. For January 11th, the 11, the 14 day figure for Cork, for the city and county of Cork, 7,543 cases in the last 14 days. That's like half our total since the start, and it's 1,580 per 100k, 100,000 of us. That's the, roughly it. 14 days to January 11th. Go back to this time last week on January the 4th. And the 14-day figure, and we thought that was bad, the 14-day figure this time last week was 2,498. 499 per 100,000. Lads, the cases have trebled in a week. This is the truth of it. They have trebled in a week. But I'll go better than that. Let's drop our eyes back or cast our minds back to December the 11th, where we had just come out 
of the last lockdown and hospitality was open and business was open and retail was open, having campaigned hard to get open, of course. On December 11th, our 14-day figure in Cork was 124. 124 cases, that's 25 per 100,000. So, in one month, in one month, from December 11th to January the 11th, our numbers in Cork have gone up 60-fold. 60-fold. And still... The marina was jammers on Sunday. I'm sorry, but in my mind, it just does not make sense. 1850-715-996. Oh, yeah, and CUH. If I'm picking up rightly what I'm seeing or hearing in the news, CUH, size for size, is the busiest hospital in the country for COVID now. Like, give us a break here. Stay at home, please. It's only for a couple of weeks. Stay at home. Well... It's only for a couple of weeks they're telling us. I personally think, and I'm going to lay it out in front of you here now, I don't think we'll be out of this until Valentine's Day. We won't even start to come out of this until Valentine's Day. And you know what? If the numbers are the size they are, then rightly so. Imagine being a mum and your youngster is sick with COVID, very sick with COVID, so sick with COVID that they have to go to hospital. Now, not only can you not get at them in hospital, but they're in another country. Magella, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Happy New Year to you. And to you, and lovely to talk to you again. It's been a while. You How too, is Adrian PJ. doing? Um, Adrian is fine now. Um, he's doing grand. He's doing great, actually. Um, he's still coughing. Right. Um, he still has... Uh, his, Kind of lingering symptoms. Yeah. Um, this is an active virus. He first got sick. He's about about six weeks ago. Right. Um, um, he's he's living in Spain. Mm-hmm. He's walking in Spain. Um, he he's a, he has a little child. Um, she's a year and eight months now. And PJ, I haven't seen my granddaughter since she was seven months old because of COVID. I can't get over there. Mm. Uh, so I haven't been over there since December um, 2019. Okay. okay. So it's very hard, PJ. And um, when when he got the COVID, um, he was diagnosed with it and his fiancée was diagnosed with it. Um, they don't know how they got it. Um, so they, they, they got the coughing. Um, symptoms, uh, the mm. temperatures, they both had it together. And his fiance went in first to the hospital with pneumonia. Right. And um, we were all very worried over here, of course. Um, so then she came out of hospital, he was getting sicker. Um, the worry now, you know yourself. Um, when you can't do anything, uh, it's desperate. Yes. The helplessness of being a mommy, not not just in the in in away from him, but but countries away from him. It's yeah. it's terrible, and of course you can't ring because there's the language barrier as well. And mm. um, you know, so it's not like you can phone the hospital or anything. So we were just in contact with him all the time. But PJ, the symptoms, um, it makes me very angry here when I see. Uh, posts on social media and people um, denying that the whole thing is existing even. Yeah. Um, 
he got the pneumonia. He was very sick. And there's other symptoms as well. Uh, his liver started to um, show symptoms of jaundice. It started breaking down. He got very bad um, stomach problems. His digestive system started to break down. Uh, they were trying all different um, things. With, uh, the drips weren't working on him. Uh, he got a, a severe allergic reaction uh, to one of the serums they were giving him to try and hydrate him. Um, he had uh, he brought he broke out in a severe rash, which is apparently another symptom of COVID. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he wasn't having a very nice time at all in hospital. Did, he was in he, for did, a whole. Was he, on, was he on oxygen, Magella? Um They had to give him some oxygen. Um, they did, yeah. So we were all very worried over here. Um, I was in an awful state um, at the time. I was down in Kerry with my daughter. Uh, so I, I don't know, PJ, I was I was frantic. Mm. Um, I was ringing him. I was ringing his fiancée, who was ringing the hospital to get information for me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so... Thankfully, he came out of it. He's okay now. He still has the rash, by the way, which is coming and going. And he's he's he they wouldn't leave him out of hospital until he was COVID-free. Um, and he's COVID-free. Um, but he's can you imagine? He still has the rash. He still has the cough. Uh, the, the, his taste is gone. Really? Still. So the symptoms are still lingering. Yeah, yeah. Like when you got to talk to him for the first time, say on maybe WhatsApp or Skype or whatever, like yeah. c- could you see a difference in him? Well, when we video chatted, um, I thought he looked like death. Um, you know, his his whole uh, colour was gone. He was struggling to breathe. Um, I was very worried. Because he has no underlying symptoms, PJ. What age is he? He's only 33. Right, very young man. You know? So, fitting well and all that kind of thing in normal times. Very fit, no underlying symptoms. So, I mean, I don't want to get this virus. I can't understand why people are so um, blinded that they won't listen. PJ, yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about the marina. I mean, I I can't understand why... These why are photos people... I got. I obviously wasn't out myself. The, the, these are photos yeah. I got and videos that others got that I know. Uh, the place like jointed, you know? I mean, I, that's only around the corner for me. Um, and I won't go down the marina for a walk. Yeah. I, I wouldn't dream of it. I, I went down to the Atlantic Pond um, a couple of weeks ago. I took my grandchild down there. He was staying with me for a few days and we got down there um, to feed the birds. Initially it was fine and then all of a sudden it was swarmed with people. PJ, they were stopping talking to each other um, in little pockets of groups. There wasn't a mask in sight. I got out of it fairly lively. I had my mask on. The minute I closed my door, I had my mask on. Um, I took him off it straight away. I was shocked. People aren't listening. Yeah. 
There's a lot of people just seem to think it couldn't possibly happen to me, couldn't possibly happen to anybody I know. Yeah, and I mean, if the, no, the numbers are, are are really spiking now, so I think I mean, there's a lot of people that they do know someone that has it, and all these mess, all these silly questions now on social media, and um, do you know someone who has had COVID? Or, blah, 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 will you take the vaccine, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. Um, you know, how are we ever going to get rid of this if we don't listen? I mean, the virus is in people. It will spread with people who are moving around and spreading yeah. it. If the virus is ever to go away, we have to stop spreading it. It, yeah. it starts with you and it starts with me. Yeah, and it begins and ends with us all. You're so right. It is. We Michaela. have to take our own personal responsibility for it. And, and getting getting back to, to Adrian and and his family, we should remember as well. Spain has had one of the toughest lockdowns in the world, and it has curfews and all that. And even then, they got it and they got really sick. They your your little granddaughter, how old is she now? She's a year and eight months, and, and you, you know she she was she was very sick at the start. She, so you know, oh, did she get it? She she didn't. She was tested negative for COVID, and she was continuously tested um, every second day, and she still tested negative. But she was very sick, PJ. Yeah. And uh, they were wondering. And were they trying to mine her at the same time? Were they? Um, Well, they were both sick. And they were. Well, they were. They were minding her at the start. And she, and his fiance, started working from home because she got sick first. So we're wondering, like, you know, they say kids can carry it. You know, we're wondering, did, did, did the small little one have it? Yeah. You know, yeah. um, we're, I'm I'm concerned about schools here. Yeah. Well, they're, at least they're closed now until at I least thought. the 1st of February. But if you were listening to Dr. Scally with me on Friday... Dr. Gabriel Scally, he doesn't believe that the situation will be such that we can reopen the schools on the first. Oh, of I'm very either. concerned. I mean, I, I, my, my, my oldest grandchild is going to school in Kerry. I, I wouldn't be sending him. You know. Yeah. I'd yeah. be very concerned. I mean, that children can pick up things very easily. I mean, all children pick up colds and stuff when they start going to school. I, I wouldn't like to see a child get COVID. I mean, if it can um, affect an adult in this way, a healthy. Adult. I know your your first instinct, as as a mom, Magella, is is to get yourself on a plane as soon as you possibly can. The fact that it's going to be some time before you can do that, months at least, yeah. that must make it even more worrying. It, it's until, very I think hard until such time as you see him in the flesh, like you're not going to be yeah. happy. It's very hard, and you know. Um, I haven't seen him now, you know, for over a year. Um, it's going to be another long time. And it's very hard, you know, we, we video chat all the time. And it's not the same as you know yourself. You, you'll prefer to be able to see hmm. your family. And it, in, in, in particular, my granddaughter, I'm after missing out on so much of her. I know, yeah. Because she was only a small little baby the last time I've seen her. So it is very hard. It's very hard for families. But I I can't understand, PJ, how um, people are still travelling around. We're an island here 
um, we should have been able to stop this a long time ago. And I think yeah. it's all wrong that we're still allowing um, the travelling coming in and out of the country. Yeah, yeah. I sincerely hope that that he'll be he'll be out of it, fully out of it soon. And yeah. please, please send him our best wishes. I will, of course, PJ. And thanks very much, and a happy new year to you all. And, and to you, Magella. Mind yourself now, and look Thank after all those other care, lovely PJ. grandchildren of yours. Thanks a lot. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. That's Magella Murphy. Her son, thirty three, she said, in Spain, ended up in hospital. He's still not right. He's sick five or six weeks now, and still not right. And that is another statistic that I've been reading more about over the weekend. People who weren't even that particularly bad, people who never, thankfully, had to go to hospital, are still not right four, five and six weeks later. And what I'm hearing an awful lot of is the exhaustion, the the, the fatigue, the, the crushing fatigue, this kind of thing that you're in bed for half a day or a day and, yeah, you're not coughing anymore, you're... you're your breathing is okay, your temperature's gone down, you get out of bed in the morning and you think, I'm glad now, yes, I'm going to have a shower now. And then an hour later, it feels like you've been driven over by a bus. That's lasting for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks in people. 1850-715-996. Brian says, I was coming home from work on Saturday at around quarter past five, passing the Lee Fields. It was an absolute disgrace. 200 people plus ice skating out in the fields. The adults and and the the car parks. The adults and children there mixing and the car parks were full. Will people ever learn? Yeah. I saw those pictures as well of the Lee Fields and I thought, you know what, in a big freeze and ice and all that, it's lovely to get out and, and play and do things in the ice. But we can't, not this time. I was listening to another radio programme this morning where there was people up in the Wicklow Mountains at the weekend, uh, sledging and tobogganing on the snow and the ice. Idiots, every last one of them. Would you just stay at home? 1850 715 The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must-have app. So you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app today. And listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts and get all the latest Cork news. And if you have a smart speaker, speaker. ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. Turn up the volume. We are Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Just an update on the numbers uh, coming in. Richard Chambers on Twitter. Richard from Virgin Media tweeting this morning uh, 1,575 people in hospital. As of now, 
with COVID-19. That's up 149 on yesterday. Those are unsustainable numbers for our hospital system. It's going to be in very, very serious trouble in the next few days. It's, it's getting there as it is. Not going to be. It's getting there as it is. Uh, Jim says, oh, here we go again. Jim says it's a no-brainer that the problem is off licenses. Sure, didn't we see about a big party over the weekend? These parties are mass spreader events fueled by alcohol. Don't use the alcoholics as an excuse. They can be treated, and it would be to their benefit. Well, Jim, I would ask you, if you would please, go back to Friday's programme, download the podcast. I think it was Friday, either Friday or Thursday, that we had Michael Gearan. And please go and listen back to the podcast where we discussed alcohol and off-licenses and all of that with Michael Gearan, who, with all due respect to you, Jim, has forgotten more about this than you and I will ever know. So the off-licenses, you can't close them down. You can't, all right? Simple. 1857159. I was running out the lock yesterday. There were so many people gathered around. The guards were there. They joined the conversation. Uh, it's a disgrace says John Paul on the Bandon Road. 1850 We've been following since last week, just quietly, just watching and watching to see what would develop, the discovery of skeletal remains in East Cork, down there in the, during the development work on the new Greenway. Initially, uh, obviously, God, there's a, a skeleton has been found. And then, oh, that's a very old and it might even date back as far as the Civil War. And, and obviously it's still interesting. And then come the back end of last week, oh, it's more recent than that. And, and it's female. And it could be a recent years that this person died. And obviously, straight away, the attention will turn to one or two news stories of the last number of years. Ralph Regal at the Irish Independent is following it. Ralph, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Initially, the question on everybody's lips is, is it Tina? Yeah, and that's why I think Gardy were being very, very careful with how they handled it um, originally, PJ. Now, all I can say, nothing has been ruled in, nothing has been ruled out, and the guards are playing the cards very close to the chest with this one. But what I can say is that all the information we're getting, uh, the indications are that it's an older woman, that the age profile is not the same. So until Gardy get the results of all of their forensic tests back, on the skeletal remains, they're, they're not going to confirm anything. But the indications are both from a profile of the bones that were recovered, um, almost a full skeleton, and the skull was uh, recovered originally, and they've got substantial other bones since then. And the indications are that it's a woman of rough age profile, somewhere between 55 and 75 years. Now, as well as that, some of the bones were found Originally, what it looked like was that they were wrapped in cloth. Uh, now it's believed that essentially it was clothing that had somehow gotten tangled around the, 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 the bones or whatever. And that clothing would seem to indicate the dress style, again, of an older woman. Now, there were some personal items recovered. I mean, it was a very painstaking um, search of the scene conducted by Gardy. And to refresh your listeners, what happened was a workman uh, was, was operating a mechanical digger at the site um, to prepare it for this £19.8 million greenway between Middleton and Yall. And he uncovered what he thought looked like a human skull and it transpired to be a human skull. So that entire area was closed off. Um, forensic experts went in, the state, assistant state pathologist went in. They even brought down a forensic anthropologist to examine the scene. 
So what they're trying to work on at the moment, obviously, is the identity of the person involved. Um, they're going to do DNA. They have recovered some teeth from the scene. They're being analysed. They may have to go towards carbon dating um, on the basis of trying to determine precisely how long the remains were in situ. Were they simply posited there or were they actually buried? And there was a number of personal items and most specifically a piece of religious jewellery. And they think that may well be very significant as well in determining who this person was and precisely how they ended up in the scene. Ralph, you yourself have, have done quite a lot of work and you've written a book or two on, on old cases, um, cold cases and missing missing persons. Are there, are there missing persons in East Cork going back long enough that one of them could be this, this, this body? I think that's one of the things uh, that has, that's why the Guardi are playing their cards so close to their chest in that the initial indication, if, if what we're hearing proves to be accurate, there's no case that I'm aware of that kind of jumps to mind, which p- might involve the Guardi widening their net beyond East Cork. And uh, mm. certainly they seem to believe that the answers to this lie in the East Cork community. If they can get a time frame, you know, then they can suddenly come out and say to people, look, did you see a woman matching this description or did you see someone wearing these particular type of clothing um, in that particular area to narrow things down? But they're not ruling out the fact that this individual may not have been resident in the East Cork community and that they may have somehow ended up here from somewhere else. So Mm. really, until they start getting the results of tests, now what happened was the, um, the skull was examined on Friday at Cork University Hospital, and the rest of the bones are going to undergo specialist tests um, to confirm, first of all, that they're all the bones from the one individual. And after that, then they're going to start working on identification, age profiles, um, any markings, damage or whatever that was done to the bones that might explain um, how this person came to be there. And at that point, then they're going to start looking at, you know, trying to trace family, friends, relatives, neighbours, whatever like that. In terms, Obviously, of very, very painstaking work. It'll take a while to get the results back, I suppose. It will be. I think we're talking days, if not even weeks, in terms of the specific information here, because a lot of these forensic tests, they take, they, they, you know, DNA, um, carbon dating, those kind of things, they, they do take a considerable period of time. And of course, what we're also talking about is the forensic examination of all of the personal effects that were found, the clothing and that piece of religious jewellery, anything else that was found in the scene that might somehow... Um, offer clues as regards how this person ended up in, in the embankment. And the, another problem for them is that um, where this lady was recovered, it was actually at a place called Roxburgh. Now, it's about three to four kilometres outside Middleton on the embankment of the old Middleton to Yall railway line. There's a river nearby and there's a roadway nearby. And over the years, there has been some dumping in that general area. So it's again, it's going to be challenging for the Guardian and painstaking work to determine what material at the site is related to the discovery of the skeleton and what material just ended up there completely unconnected to what happened. I probably anticipated my next question. How long are they still examining the scene? Are they still, is it still cordoned off? Uh, I, from my understanding is that the scene is still cordoned off but the majority of their work there is done and that from now on the focus is going to go on to the lab work in terms of the forensic anthropologist uh, the DNA testing possibly the carbon dating of the teeth to try and determine how long they were there and what age this individual was and at that point then I think once they can get an identity you'll see the, the, the investigation will start to accelerate Okay, Ralph we'll catch up again on this one I've no doubt along the way thank you very much for that Ralph Regal 
Southern uh, correspondent of the Irish Independent on that strange story from East Cork. Uh, more recent, it's a female. Anything between 55 and 70, they say. The clothing found, they've got some teeth, so they'll go through a whole load of tests. Now, imagine, and I don't wish to trivialise it, it's someone's body and someone's life, but this is like an episode of Bones in real life, because that's exactly what they will be doing now. They will take it into a lab and they will study everything. And hopefully they can identify the poor woman and take the, take the uh, examination to the next level. I had this message in, I've been meaning to read it since the, the start of the programme. Uh, hi PJ, please don't give out my name. I religiously listen to you these days as you don't BS. People want to point, people want to point out how, what many of us are going through. A lot of us have parked our everyday worries like mortgages, like bills, like the future. We wake every morning worried about our health and what happens if you or the family get the virus. What happens if you die from it? What happens if a family member dies from it abroad and you have to make a decision of staying home instead of travelling? Many of us are now afraid of missing hospital appointments because of the fear of getting the virus. And when this is all over, hopefully, how do you have the energy to face all the mortgage arrears, bills and everyday worries? The government needs to back the people and help us to drag ourselves off the floor. And that is the thing that is frightening so many, so many people is that when this is all over and we have pieces to pick up, who will help us to pick those pieces up? And that's going to fall to government and it's going to fall to the state. Uh, because people have put their lives on hold and they can't afford their mortgages and they are worried about putting food in the cupboard. And, you know, being here myself at the moment and thinking, you know, we're so lucky here because, you know, both of our jobs continue as normal. We're so lucky and have done since the start. And we were only thinking and talking about it over the weekend. You know, what about someone who, if like me, for example, you've got to isolate for a couple of weeks, it's so easy for me to work away from home. But not for everybody else. Some people are just out of work because they can't do those things. And at the end of this, there's going to be so many pieces to pick up. And we sincerely hope that those pieces will be picked up. 1850-715-996. A couple of people asking, are we doing anything on the Ring of Skitty Fire? We indeed are. We will be getting to the Ring of Skitty Fire this side of 10. I promise you. Uh, but up next... Uh, The statement came in at the weekend confirming what we heard on the opinion line on Thursday. A statement about scans, the 20-week scans. Partners no longer allowed uh, to come in for the 20-week scan. It it, uh, reignites a discussion we had only about a month ago. We'll go back to it next. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork's 96FM has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask. Unexpected spot or pimple? No problem, you're covered. Lip sync to your favourite songs without anyone ever noticing. And say goodbye to chapped lips caused by cold winter winds. However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. We're masking for a friend. Thank you. From Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. 
So a statement came in uh, last Friday from the South Southwest Hospital Group of the HSE saying that from today, partners not permitted at the 20 week scan. It's effective today because of COVID-19 restrictions and the, the lockdown in which we now find ourselves. We did discuss this before. There was a petition, a huge petition handed in calling for partners to be allowed to attend and eventually they were allowed to attend but now unfortunately that has been reversed. Linda Kelly is one of the campaigners who was collecting that petition. Linda, good morning. Hi PJ. Good to talk to you again. Obviously disappointing but is it understandable? Absolutely and I think one of the things we've always been very clear about in this campaign was that there was there needed to be a very clear, transparent staging of restrictions in the maternity services. The restrictions that were in place since last March are appropriate at a level five situation. They're appropriate right now in the surge that we have where, you know, it's absolutely decimating our health service and I don't think there is anybody out there, um, you know, that you know, is going to argue against that. It is, of course, extremely distressing for the women who are due their babies this month, for the women who, you know, maybe had before Christmas seen the lifting of maternity restrictions, thought they were going to have somebody with them at this very important scan, very nerve-wracking scan. And then, you know, in just a, a couple of days and a couple of weeks, it was just taken away from them again on a human level. I feel so much for those women because I've been there uh, last summer myself and it is hugely distressing. Uh, Mm. But I think we all understand the need for it. We all want to see the surge come down. We all want to see the numbers come down. And the conversation then needs to happen around, you know, I've seen a lot of staff in different maternity hospitals are getting vaccinated. And Mm. so what restrictions are appropriate when there are vaccinations available for staff. Um, I know as well that some women who are giving birth this month, they're now being tested for COVID in CUMH. This wasn't the case all along. And, you know, there are things like that that are being put in place very rapidly by hospital management. um, And they, they should still be offered to people after the surge passes. So, you know, in order to facilitate the attendance of partners, you know, for postnatal visits, antenatal visits, uh, for a longer period after birth. Um, mm. You know, all of those things still need to be discussed. Um, but obviously it isn't appropriate this week to be discussing them. We need to batten down the hatches and get yeah. this thing under control. That that 20-week scan is, is nerve-wracking for anybody. What is, what do they, this is going to sound like such a man question, I'm sorry, Linda. What do they scan? What do, what are they looking for? What is, what is often found at this time? So, they're looking for any um, a gross anatomy uh, uh, anomalies that they would see that might indicate a genetic disorder. Um, now, I'm not a medical professional, PJ, so that's yeah. my layperson's understanding of it as somebody who's been that's through enough. it. It's normally a, they're, about... They're looking, they're looking for something. They're, they're looking for, for any evidence of anything wrong with the baby, which, which means yeah. if, an, if anything is found there and then, then the poor misfortunate mother ha, has nobody with her. No, no, they don't. Normally what happens afterwards is that there are further tests that you have to complete. 
Um, but it's very nerve-wracking. It's quite a long scan, so it's about 10 to 15 minutes. And typically, the sonographer doesn't speak. Um, so they will just say, listen, I'm going to examine the baby. I'm going to take all of these measurements. It will take some time. So you're there probably for what are the longest 10 minutes of your pregnancy, uh, you know, hoping and praying that everything is okay. And then at the end, they'll go through, you know, the measurements and everything that they found. Um, So I suppose I've been very lucky that both my pregnancies, you know, that scan, the outcome of it was positive. Um, but I know of other people in my extended circle where that hasn't been the case. And, yeah. it, you know, it's just the most unbearable thing to think it's of, you know. But, but, but as you said to me at the start, unfortunately, in the circumstances in which we find ourselves, understandable for now. Understandable for now, but, you know, really what we need to look at and what we've always asked for, you know, they put so much work into that living with COVID plan about, you know, we all understand level two, three, four, five. What what I do worry about is that we will come out of this and we'll go to a level three or a level two and people will be getting vaccinated and the level five restrictions will still be in place in maternity services because pregnant women are the last group to be vaccinated um, and that's yeah. a huge cause of concern because are we going to be here in January 2022 and these restrictions are still going to be in place in the maternity services we will need clarity about that in a couple of weeks time but like mm-hmm. I said right now you know we have to support everybody in the health service staying at home wearing our masks indoors and outdoors you know washing our hands doing everything we can two of my family members work in the health service you know they've mm-hmm. had their vaccinations this week it is a really nerve-wracking time for everybody and we have to do Actually, what we can before before i let you go with that how important is it i was reading a lot of stuff over the weekend about vaccination and the plan and there's a lot of criticism about the speed of it and that's another discussion how important is it do you think linda that say a place like cumh my own personal feeling is every member of staff in CUMH, from the porter who pushes stuff around to the people up in the labour ward who deliver the babies. To, they should all be vaccinated, every single last one of them. Absolutely. There shouldn't be a hierarchy of vaccinations among staff in the health service. Like, we've seen how that can, you know, I suppose that sort of hierarchy of I'm in a, a you know, a more esteemed position than you are and different things. Everyone who is a healthcare worker, in my view, in whatever guise that is, should have the vaccine. We know it transmits really ferociously. So if you have somebody in the hospital community who's not vaccinated, that, you know, that's, that's a problem in terms of fighting the virus. So, you know, if you ask me, it should be everybody in there. All right. Okay, Linda, take care and uh, thanks again. 1850-715-996. As of today, um, partners not allowed at the 20-week scan for the foreseeable, uh, unfortunately, because of the severity of the situation and the level five restrictions. 1850-715-996. With the cases so high, obviously the masks aren't working. Whatever happened to living with COVID? I've no problem with the people down the marina. Two of my family had the COVID. Life is for living. I'll just leave that one there. Have you any idea why factories are being kept open? 
I work in a factory where there's little social distancing and mask wearing isn't well enforced. I'm so worried about bringing COVID home to my family. So many factories, the last time out, and I'm sure it's happening this time out as well, define themselves as essential. You'd be amazed, lads, the stuff that's essential in the time of of a pandemic. You would. You sure would. Um, That long, long list of essential workers last week, how long was that? But it's a very worrying time for anyone in a factory. PJ should home in every day on why the vaccines aren't being distributed properly. Israel and the UK have shown it can be done. Every day lost is more deaths. The focus of the media should be on this now. Thank you for the editorial advice. Um, The vaccine story will develop in its own time. And yes, it is quite slow. It does appear at least to be quite slow compared to other countries. Absolutely it does. Um, I like the idea, though, of vaccinating thousands and thousands of healthcare staff on the front line. I like the idea of making sure that all the most vulnerable people, like those in the nursing homes, are vaccinated. Then we get into the table of who comes next. Uh, questions to ask about that, certainly. Thanks, though. 1850-715-996. People woke up after, or woke up Saturday morning down around Ringeskiddy Way uh, to a horrifying scene, a massive, massive fire in the area, being described as the biggest one since the Hickson's fire in 1993. God, I can remember flying over that, flying over the Hickson's chemical plant fire with the late, great Joe Dernan in the helicopter, the traffic helicopter we had at the time. Yeah, God, that was that was that was some fire. Um, Bram Brennan is the resident, the resident association chair in Ringeskiddy. Bram, good morning. Good morning, PJ. You, you'll remember that, that incident as well. Describe for me what it was like on Saturday morning. What did, what did people see when they woke up? People just saw a black plume of smoke, plus a smell from it. They didn't know where it was coming from first, and then they figured out where it was coming from. We weren't contacted by anybody. One of our people had to ring the port eventually, and they didn't know nothing about it either. That's the port operations. Really? So, yeah. Just um, by the time I picked up on it um, there was people being evacuated What did you have someone knock on your door for example Bram to say nobody knocked on anybody's door and there was no residents um, evacuated whatsoever um, I don't know who they were evacuating there was some, some kind of a, an emergency plan brought in by the port we don't know what it is hmm. but we didn't hear a bit about any of the residents didn't hear a bit about it now, you as know? chair of the Residents Association, I would imagine a lot of people in high places, Brian, and you're, of course, a former county councillor, we should remember, people would have your number. You, you didn't get a call from anybody to say, listen, you need to be careful here. No, no, no. I spent um, nearly 10 years on the, on the board of the Port of Cork. They were given all our numbers, and they're given it every year when there's an AGM or whatever, like that. the contact numbers are given out. Um, nobody contacted us whatsoever. Many of our Cork County Council were the people responsible for it. They gave the planning for us. And nobody. It's typical. Like, you know, we were just like Hickson's. We were extremely lucky and thankful that the smoke that was blowing the other way, that it wasn't blowing across the village. We were just yeah. lucky that the wind was in the right direction. How close like, are you, Bram, to the actual fire? I would be, I suppose, a half a mile as the crow flies. Which is close enough. Pe- yeah, you know, people are a hell of a lot closer than me, like. 
I was probably speaking to people in Manhambridge yesterday. They rang me in relation to it, and they could smell it out there. That's the tell you how far away it is. Yes. You know? Yeah. Is, is it time to take a serious look at emergency plans for the area? Well, since Hickson's, we've been adamant about that. We've brought what, up there, hasn't been, there hasn't been a review since Hickson's? No. There's nothing about it. We asked uh, umpteen times for sight of it, and we're just fobbed off all the time before from the port and from our county council. You know, we're told there's an Do you think there'd be a, a rehearsal? Of it? <laughs> like... I mean, I've heard from anything else. Like, there's so much volatile industry down there. There's so there much is. chemical and pharmaceutical industry <clears> in that part <throat> of the city. And you're saying that there hasn't been... You, you, you and the residents haven't been involved in any kind of review since Hickson's. Absolutely none. Absolutely none. Um, like we thought with the talk about in the bar for the last 20 years that there'll be something involved there, but no. Nobody, nobody cares to say about the, the, the ordinary people. There's one way in and one way out of that village, just like the people in Cove. One way in and out over the bridge below in Bell Valley. Like. And if anything happens, there's no way out. Now, you mentioned Indiver, and Chase issued a statement at the weekend that, look, if this had been an Indiver-type situation, if this had been uh, an incinerator, it would have been, or could have been a much... More, well, serious much, much serious, much, much, much more serious, yeah. yeah. Like, well, we're glad there was nobody injured there, you know. We'd want Again, geography-wise, Brian, sorry now, but yeah. geography-wise, how close to where this happened is, is the Indiver project supposed to go if it ever goes in? To the other end of the village. The other end of the village. As you go down towards Gobby there, you know. Ah, gotcha, okay. That's where okay. it is, yeah. Not yeah. far away. No, no, not between the other end and the naval base, and um, this new big park that cost 35 million, it's supposed to be opening this week. Yes, I saw that. Inside Nalbourne, and like that's, uh, you know, yeah. all those so far demeanors, like. Yeah. It raised so many questions, won't it, though, about, look, if the Indiver are still determined to get in there, and that, that process is still ongoing. It's still ongoing. And yes, <clears throat> you were there Saturday morning, a fire, a, a scary-looking situation, and no information, no contact, no nothing. No, nothing. It's actually still going on. Like, was quite, like, I went down last night to check it, like, and uh, it was still going on. You know, it's smoldering away all the time. You can smell it, like, oh. you can see it. Right. Who needs you to know? step up here? I mean, you've, you've, you've two ministers, three three ministers in the constituency. Yeah. I didn't hear any of them making any comments or anything. You know? Yeah. They're very, very slow to do anything, like, about anything, as you know. As was proved for Debenham's, like, you know? <laughs> Yeah, Graham, I'll leave it there. Thanks very much. It's just a good job. Nobody was hurt or anything like that on, on Saturday. But it's an interesting... No, no contact. Like, Graham Brennan... I, I was interviewing Graham Brennan 20 years ago for news with regard to Ring of Skiddy and Indiver and all these things. Like, if Graham Brennan didn't hear about this Saturday morning, if Graham Brennan didn't get a phone call to get him out of bed to tell him there was something going on, then communications down there are way behind. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996, the number to call, the text to WhatsApp 083-396-9696, email opinion at 96fm.ie, Twitter at OpinionLine96 with the hashtag OL. 
96 and of course the Cork's 96 FM Facebook page you can use that to message us uh, but of course please do mark your messages for the attention of the opinion line still a lot of people messaging us with regard to lockdown and how it's not really being enforced and the crowds that we could see around the marina at the weekend and the crowds out the Lee Field and the crowds up and down the country and the emergency services even saying lads would you cop on this is not a time to be going skating on the ice it, it just isn't Kevin says it feels like this won't be taken seriously until doctors have to decide who to stop treating because they need the beds for others even then I'm not sure some people would ever wake up. Dee says it's so frustrating to hear of idiots who still have blinkers on about the severity of COVID. They just need to listen to the stats. Why is it we have the minority who treat this cruel, deadly disease as a wet paint sign? They just want to touch it and tamper with the hard work of our exhausted, dedicated team of nurses, doctors, experts, and they still go around as if they're invincible. Maybe hearing Magella and her story might help to rethink their movements. And if you missed Magella's story, uh, don't forget you can get the podcast of this show every day between around 2 and 3 in the afternoon. We put up a podcast of the full show. It goes up first, you'll get it on Twitter. We'll tweet the link and then it goes on to the Cork's 96FM app and the website and any other such platform where you get your podcasts. 1850-715-996. Great news. Uh, the other night from the BT Young Scientist of the Year exhibition. Of course, the exhibition held online uh, this year for the first time. Huge operation to to hold it online because it's such a massive competition. And the overall winner, a young man from Bandon Grammar School by the name of Gregory Tarr, who his project was about detecting detecting state-of-the-art deep fakes. Gregory, good morning. Hi, it's uh, great to be here. And delighted to have you, and congratulations. Thank you so much. It's like, a, it's a dream come true, to be honest. What is a deepfake? A deepfake is a piece of synthetic media where one person in an existing image or video is replaced with another person's likeness. Simplify that for me so I can understand uh, it. Basically, uh, it allows me to be able to take a video of myself and project Donald Trump's face onto me and I can control what he's saying, for example. Oh. And that, that's, that, that, of course, is incredibly dangerous and threatens our privacy, demo- democracy, and national security. It, 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 you can use it to conduct fraud, influence elections, and even generate fake explicit images of people. So you can actually make a video of any politician or world figure saying something... They didn't actually say it at all, but exactly. you manipulated the video, video to make, make it look like they did. And even and, 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 and in, in my belief, even, even worse than that, as these technologies become more and more available, uh, individuals that aren't publicly, uh, uh, publicly uh, um, like figures are being affected. Right. What an incredible project. So how did you... How did you settle? What was the idea? You set out to you set out to find these, or to find a way to find them. Yes. So there there are thousands, tens of thousands of deepfakes on the internet currently, and we need a method of essentially sifting through all of the videos on the internet, which is a huge amount, in an efficient manner, and be able to uh, detect and flag these deepfake videos. And my project so, essentially analyzed different methods of doing this. 
uh, and improved the state-of-the-art method of detecting deepfake uh, in terms of speed by a factor of 10. Wow. So, so how do you go about trying to, trying to check? So if I send, I send you a video, okay, or you, you get a video off, off social media right now, what do you start doing with it? What do you do with it? Yeah, well, I've designed a, a, a pipeline that uses artificial intelligence, the same technology that is used to generate the deepfake, uh, to, to detect the deepfake. It's kind of like fighting fire with fire. Crikey. What age are you? Uh, 17. <laughs> like, this is... This, you, for one so young, you have, you have happened upon a massive discovery at, at a very appropriate time. Yeah, it's it's a it's it was it was I, I it was I was amazed how how relevant it was. I didn't know how relevant it was while when I was um actually writing or doing the project uh when when I was when I was just about finished the deepfake of the queen over Christmas was released um and my project was able to detect that one with a 93.4% confidence. The deepfake of the queen, what was that? Yeah, her you know the way she releases an annual Christmas message uh Yes. Uh, Channel 4 did a deepfake of her, which was pretty lighthearted. It had her dancing on the table um, and saying some wacky stuff. Um, and it was very, it was very realistic. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell it apart except for the fact, you know, the queen wouldn't dance. <laughs> but your software could. My software could. Wow, wow. Let us bring in uh, the principal of Band and Grammar, Ian Coombs. Ian, good morning. Good morning you got one smart cookie here, Ian. We certainly do. And, I mean, he's very modest because that's just one of his, his uh, projects. Uh, in, in the last few years, for instance, Gregory has also uh, worked on artificial intelligence to um, create um, facial recognition to help Alzheimer patients in their early stages. As another project, he also developed a mechanism for um, growing oil from algae uh, and so on. So he, he's a multi-talented young man with the world at his feet. Gregory, where does all this interest come from? Do, do you have a background? Are your are your are your family science people? Uh, no, not really. I mean, my dad's pretty intelligent. He uh, he likes science, and we'd have long long discussions about science. Um, but I, I've really just been in, interested in computers and renewable energy for pretty much as long as I could uh, remember. It's uh, right. they're both great interests of mine. Yeah, yeah. You're off now to take this project, I think, to hopefully travel allow, or I presume it'll be online if it, you can't travel, to Spain uh, to bring this project to Europe. Yeah, exactly. I'll be representing Ireland uh, in, in the European contest. Mm. What you've discovered seems like the perfect, say, phone app that when I'm going through Facebook, for example, and I see a video that I literally hit your app, and it'll analyze it and tell me it's a fake. That's the ultimate here, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, ideally, uh, the social media website would do that for you so that you only have to do uh, one video just the one time. So whenever they receive a video, they would send that to uh, a platform like mine and verify that it's not a deep fake, so that they're not distributing it in the first place. Hmm. Prior to, so that video never gets seen by anyone if it's a deep fake. Yeah. Do you plan to take this into college and to study it at college level? Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. I'm going to be I'm going to be studying uh, computer science um, and to a later extent, perhaps AI. Um, and that's that's going to be very interesting. Yeah, like this, you you sound like a young man who could be a millionaire by the time you're 25. Do you know? I mean, people are going to queue up to buy this off of you. I hope you've got it patented. Uh, yeah, you. Uh, 
for I don't have it patented. No, you uh, you can't exactly patent code like mine, but um, I'm not planning to release it either uh, because there. If, if you if you release the detection method, then people can get around the detection method. So it's so privacy is key. Ian, he's way ahead of us, isn't he? He certainly is, you know, um, and he keeps coming up with the new ideas all of the time, uh, entirely self-directed, you know, and he is just um, an engine for turning out wonderful ideas like that with tremendous energy and the self-determination and, uh, I suppose, uh, discipline as well, you know, to do the hundreds and thousands of hours that go into writing, I think, something like 150,000 lines of coding, Greg, for this. Uh, yeah, I don't know where that figure came from, to be honest. It's in all of the newspapers. Uh, uh, I, d- I did send my code to one of the judges, so perhaps they uh, they might have counted, but that's certainly not all my code. I could definitely <laughs> not write that amount. Uh, but, but yeah, it was a, it was a huge challenge. Who, who taught you to code, Gregory? Did you teach yourself? Uh, or yeah, did you learn I, I to taught... Um, so my dad, my dad is a, is a programmer, uh, but surprisingly he's not the one who taught me, and we're in completely separate disciplines. Um, yeah, I taught myself using using the internet. <laughs> it just gets better. It just gets better. Listen, congratulations to your young man, and best of luck at the next level. And you're just going to go. This you're headed for the stratosphere. I can just tell, Ian. Um, it's a, it's a great day for banding grammar as well, of course. It is, and look, this day has been, I suppose, threatening to happen for quite a time, as you can gather, with Gregory, uh, because um, I think any of his projects over the last three years or so could have won, quite honestly. Uh, but we are absolutely delighted for him that it has come true this time, because it is quite literally a dream come true. Greg has had this dream, I'd say, since he was at least in second year, uh, and he has had a go at it every year, and persistence uh, pays off. It really does, especially when you have the talent like he does. All right, listen, smart young man, and uh, good luck with everything that comes from this, Gregory, and congratulations again. Thank you so much, and thank you, Mr. Coombs. Thank you, indeed. It's been amazing. That's that's our BT Young Scientist of the Year 2021. Gregory Tarr of Bandon Grammar School has discovered a way to find deepfake videos, faked news videos. Hey, come on, fake news? He's discovered a way to find and highlight those videos before you or I ever have to watch them and be taken in by them. He's 17, lads, and he taught himself to code on the internet. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. So you've got a smartphone or tablet. Then get the must-have app. So you can take us everywhere. Download the Cork's 96FM app today. And listen to your favourite shows on the go. Grab our podcasts. And get all the latest Cork news. And if you've a smart speaker, speaker. ask it to play Cork's 96FM. Play Cork's 96FM. Okay. On your phone, tablet, smart speaker, and radio. Turn up the volume. We are Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850 715 On Cork's 96FM. As anybody who listens to me um, off and on will know that I have a very strange and wide range of 
television programs that I like to watch. Everything from Star Trek to Sherlock Holmes to Downton Abbey to you name it. I've, I've watched it. Weird stuff. I'm watching uh, Virgin River at the moment on, on Netflix and also a good medical show called The Night Shift. I, I tend to watch everything and anything really. But I absolutely used to love Sex in the City, which I know for a bloke is a very strange thing, but I used to love it. It was the Queen Bee who used to watch it. And I sat down watching it and I thought it was just hilariously funny. And I, and I really liked the characters. And I was excited to read at the weekend that there is to be a new series of it. Now, it'll only have three out of the four. And unfortunately, I think my favourite is missing. Samantha won't be there. Rachel, Sarah Murphy, how are they going to have sex in the city without Samantha? You know, I think they'll do fine, PJ. Like, she was my favourite character as well. I think everybody had a character... Uh, where your friends would say, oh, my God, you're her. <laughs> but I lived yeah. in New York, and um, I remember dating in New York. And that was, like, it was 98 when Sex and the City first came out. I think, did I come back in 96? I never, I never remember. I was there for nearly four years. And I remember how difficult it was to date in New York City, which is all about what the first um, episodes were about. It was about Carrie trying to find love. Um, then you had, what was the other character? Um, Charlotte, she wanted to have babies and meet somebody. So it was, it was, and then you had to have a career. So now they're going back in their 50s. I think women in their 50s are so interesting. Um, they, they just, they're at that stage in their lives that they just don't care anymore what anybody thinks about them. Um, so I think it's going to be really interesting because now it's how do you, I'm sure that they'll broach it, how do you hold on to that love that you found. So, yeah, sex in the city, but it's love in the city too. And also... Well, they, you know, that's a, we, they, they actually couldn't find anybody to settle with. Like they, 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 very hard. I, they're hard. They're happy for five minutes, and then the whole thing is a disaster, and they're all picking one, up, one another up again. And, and it was just yeah. hilarious. Every one of them was different. Poor old Samantha mm-hmm. couldn't, couldn't hold a man for five minutes. Well, she was just sex-crazed. Like, she, she was, was, she was all about terrified sex, of her. You know? <laughs> and, like, for, for Ireland doesn't do, like, you know, Bridgerton. I, I was told, Fergus said you mentioned Bridgerton. Bridgerton, Fifty Shades, it's all mummy porn. And, you know, Ireland doesn't do porn. That's what other countries do. But Sex in the City was kind of like, Samantha took us on her journey of this sexual discovery. So that's why we loved her because she was she was naughty and she was she was different. Nobody talked about the stuff that she talked about whereas the mm. others were more tame. And in New York there's a huge amount of women and there's not a massive pool of guys for them to date. It's really hard to date in New York because everybody is is flying ahead with their careers. And there's a program cuz I'm like you. I have a very diverse uh, taste in programs. I like to switch off and the Hollywood, the was it the the Real Wives of New York oh, City don't. or something like this? Yes, oh, don't. PJ, you just switch off. I'm, I'm even talking like that. Yeah, I do. They are just With the remote. brilliant. They are. They are so. They say it how it is. They just. They are brilliant. And there's this. There's, there's this something about New York City that is. There's something about the women of New York City that is just. They are diehards. They just say it how it is. They don't settle. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing um, program. I think I think what they're going to what they're going to be able to talk about this time round is going to be so much more interesting than the first time. Yeah, round. Sex and the City the first time out it it did particularly for an Irish audience it, it pushed boundaries right, left, and centre. I think that was kind of why I started watching it because it went where no yeah. other 
comedy. It was a comedy, basically, but it went where no other comedy went before, and it was really good. Like, going forward now, you're going to have a problem. Back in 1998 or 1999, you could do and say things on screen, and people laughed. You could see a lot mm, of... Yeah. How shall we put this now? The enlightened ones having a seizure, if you go back <laughs> to that kind of humour again in 2021. I, it's going to be a lot more difficult from the PC point of view, but but the but the actual stories, it's going to be so difficult without Samantha Reed, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's going to be it's going to be. But without any of them, it's going I mean, to be different. Anyone who wants to watch an episode or watch the movies, there are two movies and they're brilliant. The m- movies are hilarious. Yeah, the movies. Anybody were great. who wants to watch the movies and and the series, you just couldn't do that now. Well, you you'd couldn't be, do what? You'd be judged from the highest level, you know? But, like, like it's glamour. Sex in the City is glamour. Even Bridgerton was glamour. So it's like mm. living vicariously through these people, and we need it now, PJ. Oh, my God, yeah. we need it. We need it. And you know what? I, I'm, mothers need it. Women need it. We, we all just need to switch off, and we need to live our lives with the glamour and, and New York City, the excitement of it all. Like, mm. we all need that right now. So do you know what? Even if it's not phenomenal, which I think it's going to be, but even if it's not, it's going to be like you're watching um, Something River at the moment. I watched that too. That was a brilliant escapism as well. Bridgerton yeah. was escapism. We just need escapism. I don't really care, um, you know, if they don't get to cover all the interesting things that women in their 50s go through. But yeah. I want to see fashion. I want to see New York City. I want to see them struggling and I want to see them being girlfriends. So I, I want to see Sex in the City. I really, really want to see oh, this, yeah. new, this new part. Ten, ten episodes on HS, HBO. We're not sure Brilliant. when it's to drop, but... Yeah, yeah they're fun. starting... I think they're going to start... They're starting production in the spring. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I don't know, hopefully by the end of the summer. It could be the winter sensation for next year. <laughs> it's going to be mine. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, thanks as always. That's great. Eighteen fifty seven one five nine. I said that Rachel Sarah Murphy. Sex in the City, the the new series coming probably the back end of the year. Go back and look for it. You'll find it. I, th- I think the original series. If it's not on Netflix now, they will surely put it up there, um, or on one of them on Amazon. They will put it up on one of the platforms to show the original series. And my big problem with redoing it. I love the idea. I can't wait to see it. But redoing it, the humour of 1998-1999, it was brilliant at the time. They will be castigated from the, uh, from the heights of enlightenment. And I use enlightenment with inverted commas on it if they, if they do the same thing. But if they don't do the same thing, it'll be no good. 1857 Let's remind ourselves of the tune from Sex and the City. Theme from Sex and the City. Can't wait to hear that again. I just hope that they don't 
massacre it now and make it all politically correct and enlightened because they'll destroy it if they do. I did watch Bridgerton eventually uh, over the weekend. Mildly amusing. I don't get the fuss. And there's a few things about Bridgerton that are so off. It annoys me. But then again, it is funny and there's a good storyline in it. 1850 715996. Optex Dr. Dimula on Quartz 96FM. With Lehan Motors leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See LehanMotors.ie. Access all areas on Quartz. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at Beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Cork's 96FM Your guide to nightlife on the side Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment Ever since forming 16 years ago Irish trio God as an Astronaut have reigned as one of the country's premier instrumental groups They returned to Cork in 2021 with a rescheduled show taking place at Cypress Avenue on March 13th all areas. Rescheduled from October, Mary Black is delighted to be returning to Cork Opera House on Friday, May 14th. Mary will be back with her all-star band playing favourite songs from her immense catalogue with tickets on sale now from the Opera House's website. Access All Areas. Feel free to let us know at Access All Areas if you have a show coming up in 2021 or any live streaming events by emailing aaa at 96fm.ie. Access All Areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696. On Cork's 96FM. I gave you the COVID numbers for Cork over the last 14 days at the top of the programme this morning. I don't propose to go through them again in any detail, but just to say that cases have trebled in a week in Cork and they're up 60-fold in a month uh, here in Cork City and County alone. We are well and truly in the grip of the third wave of COVID-19. And not only are we back in lockdown, but there's a lockdown now in many parts of the world. And I suppose it's time to catch up with 
the headquarters of the battle, the world headquarters of the battle against COVID-19, and that is the World Health Organization. I'm delighted to say that their special envoy on COVID-19, Dr. David Navarro, joins me now on the Opinion Line. Good morning, Dr. Navarro. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. How do you do? It's nice to be connected. And good to, good to speak with you again. Yes, Dr. Navarro, the third wave. Um, yeah. What are the feelings of the WHO about the third wave? How severe is it? How long is it likely to last? So first of all, everybody, this is a ferocious resurgence of the virus. It's partly because we have been moving around a bit recently, particularly over the Christmas period. It's partly because there's a new and more transmissible strain of the virus appearing. And uh, it's partly also because there are just more and more people in more and more places who are infected. And that means that to get the numbers of cases down, governments all over Europe and indeed all over the world are saying, are we going to have to be even tougher in our restrictions or is there some other way of emerging from this difficulty? And why is it difficult? First of all, when you've got this kind of resurgence of this disease, it really does cause havoc for health services. I don't know the full details in Cork, but all over the world I'm hearing reports of hospitals, not everywhere, but in certain locations being full, staff working in healthcare absolutely exhausted, and a, a real sense among the public that it's really hard to get the, the care you need and the second and last point I'd just like to add is that there is a, a little bit of anxiety among some groups of people that they really are not quite sure when this is going to end. They hope that the arrival of vaccines will lead to the resurgence going down, but they, they're a bit nervous that the rollout of vaccines is slower than would ideally be needed to stop the pandemic in its tracks. And I think if we, if we want to spend a bit of a moment, just what is the next few months likely to be like, uh, then I think that might be helpful to some listeners. Well, it is seen as the light at the end of the tunnel, yes, Dr. Navarro, that the vaccine yeah. is coming, the vaccines are coming. Yeah. They should change things, shouldn't they? Absolutely. Let me uh, start by saying what the vaccine offers us right now. We've not got unlimited doses available. Still, we're, we're dealing with some of the early vaccines that are coming through the testing process. They're getting regulatory approval. They're being rolled out. But the amounts of vaccine are quite small uh, compared to the need. So the first thing this vaccine will do is by being offered primarily to people who are most vulnerable, it should lead to reductions in the risks of severe sickness and death. The second thing, but it'll take longer, is it should bring the overall pandemic down 
because you get more and more people immunised in the community and that leads to much greater uh, willing, uh, resistance to the virus. But I think that second part, the getting the pandemic down, will take longer. The first part, which is protecting those who are most vulnerable and frail, that should be starting now because anybody who's immunised within uh, two or three weeks will be developing antibodies and this will give them protection against infection. You mentioned that production is is still relatively low. Yeah. And I imagine that the WHO is in contact all the time with the various, the, the various uh, vac- vaccine companies. Like, yeah. How can production be ramped up? How quickly can it be ramped up globally? Each time you've got a vaccine, you have a process for making certain that that vaccine can be offered to people. You need to test it by putting it through a series of trials. Vaccines go through a three-phase trial process. Phase one, testing it on volunteers. Phase two, testing it on a population, again, with consent. Phase three, still with consent, testing it on multiple populations. Once the vaccine's gone through the third phase, provided that it's shown to work and provided that it's safe, then the dossier goes to the national regulator or in the case of the European Union members, to the European regulator. And the regulator says, "Okay, I will either give this a a license for unrestricted use or I'll give it an emergency use authorization for use under close supervision. Right at the moment, the vaccines coming through are being licensed for use under close supervision. And you're absolutely right. In the WHO, we need to get the data from the manufacturers, the results from their trials, so that we can quickly work with governments to say whether or not a vaccine should be used. And there's just some some really important work going on now, dialogue between the World Health Organization and the manufacturers, trying to get really up to date on some of the vaccines that are coming on stream. There's one from AstraZeneca and Oxford University. There's one from uh, Russia called the Gamalaya vaccine. It's got a trademark of Sputnik V. And then there's another one from China from a company called Sinopharm. And there'll be more coming on board as well. But the job right now is to keep looking at what the data are about these vaccines and then trying to match supply with demand and get vaccine, not just to the rich countries, but to every country, to the people who need it the most, particularly the health workers. Yeah. Of course, one of the things that we hope to get back to when we have a good global vaccination program yeah. is travel. Yeah. Um, how long before you, do you think, doctor, before we can travel freely again? I think it'll be some time before free travel is possible because there will be differences in the risks of COVID between countries and also those risks will change over time because of the surging that I described. And truly, I think free travel will only happen when every country in the world has got the vaccine that it needs to get the virus under control. And that won't be until at least next year. 
So I think there will be restrictions on travel right through 2021. But that doesn't mean no travel. It just means that different governments will need to work out with each other whether or not they have similar risk profiles and therefore whether or not travel can be allowed unimpeded or whether there will need to be travel but with quarantine for those on arrival, plus or minus the need for certificates of vaccination or recent testing. Do you see that as a reality that we'll have to have proof of vaccine or proof of recent tests? I think proof of recent testing is going to become pretty well widespread. I think proof of vaccination is a little bit more difficult, partly because of the variety of vaccines that are available and the fact that we haven't yet got all this standardised. So much depends on governments not only sorting out what they want to do inside their borders, but having the spare time and energy to participate in the kind of global negotiations that will be necessary to establish what kind of certification is necessary. We're not there yet, PJ, but that's the kind of stuff that my colleagues and I expect to be working on a lot during 2021. And it's great because the European Union is also focused on this and it's quite nice to be able to deal with a block of countries uh, that are trying to deal with the issues in a harmonised way. You you mentioned earlier countries that, you know, may not have the facilities or the ability to implement a vaccine programme. Could that lead to a kind of a a two-tier world? Well, I, I, I have been myself wondering whether we're going to end up with not just a two-tier world, but perhaps a multi-tier world. Uh, but, but the most defining uh, feature of it from the COVID perspective being countries that are kind of wealthy being able to vaccinate their populations, countries that are poor, just really frustrated that they can't get vaccine. And they, there could be some some quite difficult and even ugly scenes appearing if there really is a sense that vaccine is just not getting to the people who need it the most, the people in poor countries. So what I'm encouraging all governments to do is to come in behind an initiative of the World Health Organization, together with other international bodies, that was set up following a request from leaders in May last year called COVAX, And this is a device that enables any country to access vaccine at the lowest possible price through what we call a risk-sharing scheme. This COVAX is looking very promising, but it's it's financially short by about 5 billion US dollars for what's needed for 2021. So uh, you will hear me uh, crying from whatever hilltop I can get to saying, please, could everybody who's got resources make sure that this facility for the poor countries and the poor poor people of the world is properly financed? Compared with the amount of money that's been put in to stimulate the economy of countries all over the world, uh, a request for $5 for some degree of vaccine equity is not an unreasonable request. And that's what we're all pushing for really hard right now. Certainly wish you well in, in gathering that funding together. Yes. Doctor, to finish, um, many yes. times uh, over the last number of months, we've, we've heard quotes, and I would hasten to suggest misquotes, mm. on what the WHO and what you in particular have said on 
lockdown. Now, as we yes. hear, we are in the midst of another one. Can I ask you clearly, distinctly and finally, Dr. Navarro, what yes. is your view on lockdown in the, in, the, in the case of a surge like we currently have? I've mentioned that lockdown should not be the primary means through which governments, whether they are local authorities or national governments, try to help bring this pandemic under control. But when you've got a really ferocious surge, like what's happening in the United Kingdom, like what's happening in parts of Ireland, you sometimes have no alternative but to ask people to stay at home. The reason why we've been a little bit anxious about lockdowns is we've got so much evidence from all over the world that asking people to stay at home has a whole series of other impacts. It leads to challenges in the home. People get very anxious and mentally unwell. It leads to difficulties for children's education. Most importantly, poorer people find that it really plays havoc with their ability to keep their income stream going at home and to avoid going into bad debt. So we've been saying, do everything you can to avoid using lockdown. And that means making certain that you have the capacities in place in all societies to identify people with the disease, to isolate them, to find their contacts and quarantine them. Because in the end, that's the way you get rid of this virus. Now, not everybody's been able to do that. And that's why we've had resurgence and had to go back into lockdown. But if we can, when we come out of this latest lockdown, let's do everything possible to interrupt transmission everywhere through identification, through testing, and then contact tracing, and then isolation. Dr. Navarro, thank you very much for your time this morning, and I wish you success in the work that you and your colleagues at WHO are trying to do. Thank you, PJ, and greetings to every, all listeners. Thank you for all that you're doing. It's a joint effort. Thanks. Thank you very much. That's Dr. David Nabarro on the opinion line on Cork's 96M. He is the World Health Organization's special envoy on COVID-19. And for those who have been saying on social media, on calls and texts to the opinion line for the last couple of months, what the WHO is supposed to be saying on lockdown, you just heard it from the man himself. That's what they say. And I think, you know what we might do, Fergal? We might actually keep that, keep that little bit of audio so that we can play it back the next time someone tries to tell us what the WHO says about lockdown, because we know. Thank you, Dr. Navarro. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. Cork's 96FM has identified many advantages to wearing a face mask. Save time and money by only having to do eye makeup. Forgot to shave? No problem. You're covered. And it's easier to avoid an ex because they probably won't recognize you. However, the main reason for wearing a face mask is the most vital to help stop the spread of coronavirus. Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Social distance. We're masking for a friend. Thank you. From Cork's 96FM. There's a big interest in family trees of late. It kind of has spiked even more 
during various lockdowns over the last 12 months. But there is a big interest in, in family trees. I think it's probably partly down to programmes like Who Do You Think You Are, which is a great show. Um, the study of genealogy, uh, family history. Uh, is what it's all about. Now here at, in Cork, the Cork City Library has developed a step-by-step guide to tracing your own family history. I guess it's something we'd all like to do when you've got some time to yourself during the during the lockdown. It's something you could spend some, some hours on. There's a huge amount of information, of course, available in public records, but it's knowing how to get at it is the key. Jonathan Feely from Cork City Library is is driving this plan. Jonathan, good morning to you. Morning, BJ. Thanks. Nice to have you. There is a lot of information out there for anyone who wants to go about finding our family tree. I guess the the challenge is to learn how to go about using it and finding it and putting it all together. Well, exactly. Like, I mean, when people think of genealogy, they think that it might be a bit of a trick that's difficult to use, like the sources that are available. But what we've tried to do with this pack is we've tried to put together an easy guide that people can work themselves around the online sources that are available. Because to be honest, in the last decade or two, the vast majority of uh, genealogy sources have been made online. So whether through commercial sites, uh, such as Find My Past, Ancestry, uh, sites like that, or whether through publicly available sites such as Irish Genealogy or the the Catholic Register's uh, site uh, on the National Library. But what this pack is trying to do basically is give you a step-to-step guide. So, you know, finding out through your own uh, your own parents, through cousins, through uncles, getting family names, getting place names, and using these sites to try find the correct, you know, to match your, to match your own, uh, these names with the, the uh, official records. Most of us can go back to maybe great-grandparents or these grandparents and and trace all those back relatively easy it's it's going beyond that going past that and i think a lot of people don't know jonathan the the amount of stuff that is out there that that you can find and get your hands on yes definitely like it, with irish history i mean ireland is a, it's a strange example we're much more like valuations and old tax forms because of you know some of the destruction that happened during the civil war we lost a lot of census records but by no means is it impossible to find family history i mean through civil records church records what people most reliant on so depending what religion family was from if it was catholic scottish presbyterian uh, church of ireland depends often how far you can go back so for instance the vast majority of people who be searching for this for the nouns which have a catholic back it depends where you are if you're from an herb yeah, you can go back to a certain extent for rural areas normally back to about 1800 for urban areas back to about 1750 and if you're going back that far you're doing well but for some examples you know there's always rare cases where you can go back much further I mean if you're from an Anglo-Irish background you sometimes can go back to your country there are sources available that can help to bring you back to that point there's a there's a census from 1921 which is uh, many many people have always said that really should be accessible. Can, can we get at 1921 yet, Jonathan? Online? I'm afraid we can't. The only two that are available are 1901, 1911. Now the next one that will be happening should be 1921. Was pushed back to 1926 with the with the uh, War of Independence and the Civil War. We're hoping that it can be made available sooner. Uh, brought forward purely so you need two points ready to correlate any of any of the family history that you find throughout these websites so the 1926 should have a big effect because there was a lot of change demographic 
after the turbulence of the early 1920s. So it will be a very important census. And while while there's no definitive answer yet, we are hoping it will be brought forward. What, what's the um, hold up with 1920? I know this from from doing doing work on on tracing of families uh, through adoption and that kind of stuff. 1921's always been a hurdle. What what is the hold up? Well, it's generally, I, I mean, there is uh, certain rules over privacy. There is supposed to be a 100-year rule before the actual proliferation of this kind of information. The 1911 special case just have to have two points to, to make any sense of this information. Now, I mean, it's CSO, I believe, that controls the, uh, the, the records for these... Um, for the mm. census, and I'm hoping that they'll be brought forward. But to be honest, but I, I'm not sure myself yet. But we'll, we'll have a wealth of information. Okay. Um, How can one? Your, your line is fading a bit on me. How can one go about okay. getting your getting their hands on, on your pack, Jonathan? Well, uh, at the moment, you can uh, find it's being released in a four-part series through Twitter, Facebook at Cork City uh, Libraries. Uh, you can also look it on on our website at CorkCityLibraries.ie and through Tumblr. Uh, at the end of this, we are publishing it, so there's an edited version which will be uh, published, and the restrictions have been lifted. There'll be a bit in the City Library and Grand Parade uh, and a few other locations. But it will be, it, while you know, it can be a daunting task going back to family history, this should be an easier method. It will give you sites that are available, a great online sources at the, uh, at the parts that are coming up uh, on uh, on Twitter and Facebook, you can see that things like Irish genealogy census website use uh, in how you can use that, that, that line. That that line isn't going to hold on me, unfortunately, Jonathan. I'll leave it there with you. Uh, thank oh. you for that for today. Sorry about that. Uh, not at all. You're all you're all good. That's Jonathan Feely from Cork City Library, and the I give you the. the Address. Just look up Cork City Library and Tumblr and they have a blog up there and you can get all the information. But tracing your family tree is becoming an increasingly popular hobby, I can tell you. And uh, that, that course over four sessions and four, uh, four elements to it, you can access them all through Cork City Library. 1850-715-996. Speaking of families and tracing families and I mentioned, I mentioned adoption. I know I've had a few queries there since nine o'clock. What are we going to be doing? about the Mother and Baby Homes report. We will be covering it, I have no doubt about that. Um, we'll be talking to uh, key stakeholders, I hate that word, in, it, in its release and people who were there and people who went through it. But yesterday's leak to the Sunday Independent, yes, I read it. I have to say that I didn't see anything in it that filled me with surprise. But then... I'm not someone who went through one of these hell holes. I read it as someone who's been interested in the story for many, many years. And I knew, of course, that the report is to come out properly tomorrow. And with three and a half or four thousand pages, it's going to take some time for people to digest it. I seriously do hope that we find out who leaked it to the Sunday Independent, because it shouldn't have been done. It should not have been done. Um, even as a journalist who loves to get a story ahead of the pack, and it's what you do in this job, you try to get to the story ahead of the pack. What happened yesterday with the, with the Sunday Independent was just wrong. It was wrong that it was leaked, and yes, it was wrong that it was published. Now, there is a thing in journalism that once someone gets it, someone has to go with it, because if you don't go with it, then your your competitor will. That was probably a discussion taken at editorial level, but it was wrong what happened yesterday. We will be discussing it 
we will be discussing it when the various people involved are comfortable to discuss it uh, later on this week. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1850-715-996, the number, the text to WhatsApp, 083-396-9696, the email, opinion at 96fm.ie, Twitter at OpinionLine96 with the hashtag OL96. And of course, Facebook, get us through Facebook, the Cork's 96FM Facebook page. And mark your message for the attention of the Opinion Line that enables us to, to sort it out and find it. Uh, is the City Hall open? John was on from Mayfield to ask, is the City Hall open today? Well, the Lord Mayor, Joe Kavanagh, has replied to that one. He says public counters are closed. Access to City Hall is by appointment only. Public can contact by either phone or by email. The Lord Mayor himself is working in City Hall as per recommended health guidelines. So thank you for that, uh, Lord Mayor. We will be doing a podcast extra of my interview with Dr. David Navarro from the World Health Organization. Uh, We uh, spent about 15 minutes with Dr. Navarro in the last hour. If you missed it, we put it up as a podcast extra very shortly. And of course, it'll be part of the full show podcast which goes up every afternoon between about two and three we take out all the ad breaks we take out all the news bulletins all of that and we just give you the full show it goes up most afternoons twitter is where you'll see it first we tweet the link once it's ready and then it goes to the uh, 96fm app or whatever platform you take your podcasts on but we will be doing a podcast extra of dr navarro and we'll have that up probably before the end of the programme. 1850-715-996 on lockdown. And again, uh, Dr. Navarro gave us the WHO's definitive uh, word on lockdown, not the misquotes and half quotes and and quotes that suit an agenda that you sometimes see on social media. He, He answered specifically what their policy is on lockdown. Currently, both my parents are battling COVID-19, says this message, and of course, I'm extremely worried about them. But I was in a very popular McDonald's in Cork over the weekend, and what did I see? Only groups of 18 and 19-year-olds parked with cars full of people, all mingling. They were all out of the cars, standing around in a non-socially distanced group. My point is, having car parks like that open for takeaway food will only contribute to gatherings. It should be delivery only. This just hasn't made sense to me. At the first lockdown, all these places were closed completely, but yet this time it's worse and they are still open. That was a thing last week when they brought in the new restrictions with regard to uh, click and collect and takeaway and all of that. Click and collect is gone now. It's click and delivery only. And one of the first concerns was, is that going to affect places like, and off the top of my head, I'm thinking of Casey's in Douglas or Dino's or places like that or any restaurant that you care to, to mention? Is it going to affect that? Like, do you, is, is it gone now that you call the Chinese and call to collect your food? We got a Chinese nosh here Saturday night and got it delivered. Uh, None of us were going out anyway, so we just got it delivered. But can you now still go to some takeaways and queue up at the counter or or call in the door? Is that allowed still? Uh, McDonald's closed their in-house takeaway, as in, I only know this from the one in Douglas, for example, you now can't go into the building to get a takeaway. You've got to do it through through the drive-by or through the drive-in. Um, but that's been stopped. What is the story with takeaway? 
I mean, what's the point of, again, having click and collect? What's the point of that if it's going to lead to gatherings in the street? Maybe we just need to do click and delivery, and if you can't do it, tough. 1850-715-996. I've no doubt people will, uh, will have a reaction to what I just said there. How and ever. The mother of a young woman who died by suicide after she suffered online abuse has said it's a bittersweet moment to see new legislation to tackling online bullying. Uh, it was signed into law over the Christmas and New Year. The bill is known as Coco's Law, and it has been named in honour of Nicole Fox. And uh, her mother, Jackie, I've spoken to Jackie before on the opinion line, but over the Christmas and New Year period, uh, her mum, Jackie, spoke to our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran. First of all, and um, Coco's Law, uh, what's the next stage now with this uh, law, Jackie? Um, it, it, yeah, everything is passed. It's not going to be officially uh, passed till the 9th of February because um, the, you know, the judges, the guards, solicitors, they all have to, to catch up with what's in the law and, and how they're going to deal with it. So it'll be the 9th of February when it's going to be officially um, ready and passed. Brilliant, Jackie. And just for people who don't know, what is Coco's Law and why did you decide to start this campaign? Um, I started it because my daughter, Nicole Fox, um, she died by suicide at the age of 21. Um, she was physically abused where they put um, cigarette butts out onto her skin. They um, dragged her down flight, a flight of metal stairs by the hair. They pushed her so hard into the corner of the table where she dislocated her hip. And, you know, they burned her with a curling tongs. They, every time she put a drink on the table in a nightclub, they just knock it off. And everything was, was like, oh, sorry, you know, I didn't mean that. Are you okay? And, but then um, they weren't happy with that. Um, Nicole still went out with a smile on her face and said that they weren't going to, to get the better of her. So they started to go online then. And when they went online, they oh, they they told her all the time. They they made up a a WhatsApp group, and you know, all everyone joined in. And Nicole didn't know anything about it. Should he start spreading rumors live and sharing it all over the place? And by the time Nicole found out about it, sure, there was loads of um, nasty comments shared everywhere, and then everyone hates you. No one wants you here. Just so, such nasty, nasty things. And they made up a fake uh, profile page on Facebook where uh, they they said that they were going to beat her up so badly and leave her on life support machine. And, um, you know, she, she she passed away then on the, the 20th of uh, January. She had extensive brain um, injuries from, extensive brain damage from when we found, when we walked into mm-hmm. the hall that day as well. So, but... Um, I found, I realised then there wasn't, uh, after a few days, um, the guards came to me and said there wasn't um, a crime committed, there wasn't, that there's no legislation for online bullying. Um, you know, anyone could say anything they wanted uh, online and, you know, there was no law there to protect vulnerable people or any any people or any, any, any teenagers, kids, anyone in the workplace. There was nothing there for online bullying. So, um, and I I say the word bullying, which is to me it's 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 a real schoolyard word or a playground word. It's it's Nicole 
and many others that were, like were tortured and tormented, whether it was physical or online. Um, but um, yeah, so I decided um, that I was going to try and change that, and uh, I started campaigning. Um, just a month after Nicole died, I started campaign because um, it was my way of coping, my my way of trying to survive. So I just got stuck into, um, you know, trying to, to, to get something done to help people. Um, we had a protest outside Leinster House. Um, we had marches. I had meetings upon meetings um, with, with TDs. At the start, nobody was listening to me. None of them wanted to know. And I started to get um, the people, the Irish people behind me, um, you know, to help me bring in Coco's Law. And the and were you surprised, I, Jackie, that so many people came on board and had experience, had experienced something similar to what your family had gone through? I I was shocked, Fiona, because and and this might sound awful, but if it doesn't, you know, something like this never happened to 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 me or my family. Mm. So you you read it in, in in you read things like that in the paper or in magazines or on the news, and you just you just kind of go, ah, oh, that's terrible, you know. But then you go on with your own life and, and kind of don't think much more about it. But yeah. when it happens to you, um, you realise the extent of what uh, online bullying is. I've got so many messages and, you know, emails and, and, and messages on Messenger about, um, from families, from, from parents, from mothers, from kids. Um, saying the abuse that they were going through and constantly getting messages and then the support that I was getting from people all around Ireland saying that they were going through the same abuse and still are. And do you think now that, you know, we're here, we're talking about new year, new start, new resolutions, that because of what has happened to you and the fact that you were able to stand up to the bullies and get Coco's Law to where it is now, that this might inspire other people to stand up against the bullies and not just the victims themselves, but, you know, family members, if they're aware of it, or even friends, if they see another one of their friends being bullied. Do you think now that this will give others the strength to stand up to bullies? Um, I hope so, and I'll tell you why. Um, because if I had, if I had had this law in, you know, if someone else had mm. put this law in when Nicole was here, I certainly would have stood up against them because I would have had the backup by the guards or the courts, or you know, I would have had something in place mm. there to to help. And maybe Nicole would have been would be still here. I had nothing. Um, you know, and it wasn't the guards' fault or anything. It's just that there was no legislation when, when all this came out. You know, when Facebook came out and things got bigger and bigger, and and the the, the you know technology got bigger and all, and um, there was nothing put in place go, going along for a legislation for vulnerable people to protect them. And um, if if I, as I said, if I had had this here, I think. Um, that I would have made a huge difference and maybe, just maybe I would have had the call. So yeah, I think it's going to, to make a dif- difference because people know that they have um, something behind them now, that they know the guards will have to do something. They know they can bring these people to, to, to court. And um, I'm hoping, and I'd say it will, that the courts will make examples of um, of people, you know, and, and maybe it will deter. I, I think it'll it'll deter a lot of the, you know, the followers, the, mm. the, the, the ones behind the keyboards, the little, the, the, the cowards that, that 
love to jump on. I think it'll deter an awful lot of people like that. And and I think with with teenagers or or younger kids that think it's okay to do it now, I think they might they'll get a fright as well, knowing that oh you know something can be done here. I think it'll stop a lot of it. It's never ever ever going to stop um, bullying completely. Or, or people tormenting someone online completely, and um, you know you're always going to get mm. someone. But I think it'll 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 stop a lot of it, and it'll give parents a lot of hope, and the the, the victims that are being bullied know that does it. There, you know, there is something there that that can help now. And what advice would you give to people who are experiencing it? Because obviously when you're in that circle and you're the victim of uh, of online bullies or any bullies, it's very hard to approach somebody and to tell them, you know, um, there's probably an element of fear there and um, uncertainty as to what's going to happen if you do tell somebody. And what what advice would you give to people who are in that situation? Um, listen, don't, uh, don't keep it in. A lot of a lot of people kind of keep it in and say, oh, it would be grand, or, you know, they're not going to bother me. Mm. Don't hold it in. The, the advice I would give is speak um, speak to people. And if it is, um, say, young people, speak to your friends, speak to your teachers, speak to your family. Because what happens is if you hold it in and you think you can handle it, it just, you know, it gets into your head and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper. And it, it's just not to wait until... You can't get out of that situation then, but definitely, definitely, um, the key thing is to is to talk up and speak speak up and tell somebody. Definitely not to hold it in. And Jackie, uh, you must be very proud of where you've come on this because, like, to me, you're a true inspiration and a true hero because you've taken something so tragic that's happened in your life and you've worked tirelessly over the last couple of years to try and get something good out of what happened for others. It's just, it's Mm, like, how did you keep going? One, I kept going because um, it was my survival mode because Mm. I did strongly, strongly at the start um, think of uh, going with Nicole so that was my uh, survival mode but now um, to be honest Fiona I get a lot of people saying oh you must be so happy you know you must be delighted I am devastated and I'll tell you why because um, it's a huge 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 bittersweet moment Mm. and it's great okay don't get me wrong it's great that uh, the law has passed that's brilliant and that will protect other people it's great that um, I have Nicole's legacy and her memorandum is going to be in that bill, written in, in, in the law. That's brilliant. And our own legacy, a huge legacy for such a little person that she was. But Fiona, it's, you know, when I, I'm never going to see her smile. I'm never going to hear her laugh. I'm never uh, going to get that hug off her. I'm never going to hear her say, I love you. And, um, or, or, or me tell her, I always say, I love you, Cocoa Pops. I'm never mm. going to hear that again. So although it's great, don't get me wrong, it's great for other people, but my my life is still torn apart. It's my, not like mine and my family's life are still ripped apart. So it's it's a huge, huge, bittersweet moment. Um, the, the last week when... Uh, Oh, the last over the last two weeks, when I found out that they were putting the memorandum in the in the law, and I found out that it was going to be passed, and um, I've I've not been well. Mm. I've 
hit a brick wall, I think. Um, my immune system is completely down. I am all I've been doing. I think this is the only day that I haven't cried, um, but it's early yet. Um, all I've been doing is, mm. is crying because it's like I've been fighting, fighting, fighting for this, and now I've got it. It's just, um, it's it's just like a reality now. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. something that I I have to to face. It, it's I have to face losing the coal. Now it's not nothing about cocoa or cocoa's law. Do you know it's 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 losing Nicole now and and Christmas it, it was uh, Nicole's favorite time of the year. She absolutely loved it and you know we Christmas only on Friday um. You know that's really, really difficult. And then our anniversary is 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 January the twentieth of January. So, um, although everyone and they mean so well, and the support and the, you know, the, the stuff I've been getting back off people is absolutely fantastic. But, you know, to say like I must be delighted. I I'm 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 proud, but I'm guilty. I'm sad, but I'm happy in a way. It and my emotions are just. Um, all over the place yeah. uh, the last two weeks to be honest you know I, it's just a bit of everything really and I suppose like over the last couple of years you've been so focused on the campaign it's mm. you've probably not even had a chance to really grieve properly and mm. I suppose that whole process mm. now is going to start mm. that, that's exactly what it was because mm. I, I, I deliberately kept myself busy um, you know to avoid it inevitable I suppose you know mm. but uh, I did grieve through, through the year but not to the extent that I think I'm going to start um, now you know mm. I think this is kind of like it's hit me really hard now Do you think that if anybody is listening to this interview and they are a bully that you know that there's somewhere inside them that can hear the the pain and anguish that they've caused you and your family, and that they it might spur them in onto stopping and you know thinking about what they're actually doing to people. Um, yeah, I, I, it depends on the person, and um, you know, you mm. could have people that that genuinely didn't realise the, the 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 extent of their bullying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you can have people like that, but then you only have people that live for this, that live for the drama, that, that, that live for for hurting people. So some people I think will feel like definitely in the schools when I when I do the talks in the schools, I know I a hundred percent know I do get true to people and I get so many messages off uh, the students that I talk to and um, that, that reach out to me and say that they you know that they've been affected by it that they um, a, a girl and, and said she her and her friends walked out of that talk and um, completely different people Yeah and if anybody would like uh, Jackie to do a talk in a school or anything like that, uh, they can contact her through Facebook or through her website. I'll give you all the details of those in just a few moments. A f- stunning uh, conversation there with Fiona. That's uh, Jackie Fox, who's been campaigning for a number of years now for Coco's Law, and it's there, and it's in place, and it will be law. I think she said early February it will finally be law. And you can hear the relief in her voice, and you can hear that now... Now, I think, she can properly grieve her lovely daughter. 
and she's entitled to time to do that. But she's doing these talks now. And if anybody would like to book one, uh, you can contact her through Facebook or through the web. 185715996. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this story that's in the main news and it was all over the papers across the weekend to do with drink prices. It's just part of a series of changes that they've been making. You'll have seen before Christmas there, around November time, all these gates went up uh, in the supermarket off licenses. They're daft like you can see over them, you can see under them, you can see exactly what's behind them. It's like the they remind you of the remember in the old westerns you used to see the the half doors on the saloon it's like those. They're law now. They're not just there for decoration. They're there. And and then the latest uh, restriction is that there are no special offers allowed from today. So you know the way, buy six bottles of wine, get the whole lot for 50 quid. That's gone from today. Now, that's, that's uh, illegal from today. Loyalty card points. Now, here's an interesting one. You know the way you've got uh, a voucher from your loyalty cards and it says... Uh, 10 euro off your next 50 quid spend so what you're doing is you're going around with your trolley and you've got up to about 42 43 quids worth of stuff and you say right you'll have to know i'll fire in the old bottle of vino or whatever into the into into the basket or into the trolley and i'll put the whole lot through and i'll get me discount off me voucher no you won't you can't choose it for that anymore uh, and you also can't use your loyalty vouchers for to buy drink at all. So when you get your post out three or four times a year, and you might get, what, 20 or 30 quid worth of vouchers, you can't use those vouchers uh, to buy drink. That's all as of today. The, the ultimate step of this then is the the um, basic pricing, the minimum pricing for alcohol. That won't come in, however, until they can do it on both sides of the border. And sure, now that Brexit has happened, you kind of can't see that happening at all, or can you? 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, if you want to find out more about Coco's Law, or indeed if you want Jackie to come and do a talk uh, when we can do these kind of things, or she might do one over Zoom, I don't know, for, for schools or for classes... The Facebook page is called Make Coco's Law Happen. Make Coco's Law Happen. And you can contact her through there uh, if you want to, to pursue that one further. 1850-715-996. We picked up on some tweets over the weekend uh, by a doctor called Junid Khan, who is working in the HSE for the last six years. Dr. Khan, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. How are you? I'm... Great, I'm delighted to talk to you. Thank you for taking my call. You're, you're, what part of the world do you come from, Dr. Khan? I come from Pakistan, um, and I came to Ireland in October 2014, um, more than six years back. Okay, and obviously you've been working here in the HSE, and you want to become an Irish citizen, is that correct? Uh, yes, it, it gives us so it gives us it gives us a lot of um, I suppose advantages in terms of progression in career. 
Um, yeah, what, would, what, what difference would, I mean, like, to, to, to someone who wouldn't understand, you came from Pakistan, you've got a job, you're working in the HSE, you seem to be quite happy and settled here. Becoming a citizen, what advantages would that give you? Yeah, that, that's a fair question, and I'm asked that um, a lot. So, um, in most of the Europe um, and in Ireland too, you will be eligible to become an Irish citizen after you are here five years, being a taxpayer and being on a working job. Um, what that entails essentially is that you wouldn't have to to go and pay um, every six months or a year for an additional visa every year. Number second. Um, you can't get a training job for a doctor um, in Ireland because uh, the Irish get the priority and then the EU and after that the non-EU. And, so, and then the visa that you get, you only get for Ireland. So, for example, if you have to go to Belfast, you can't go to Belfast until you have a UK visa then. Uh, so it's different uh, for people in Ireland, say, for example, in UK, because I don't know that might have changed after Brexit, but Irish people in UK or anywhere in EU, it's entirely different because they have the same rights as in EU citizens, whereas for us, we can't really progress in careers and become consultants, for example, um, okay. if we don't have the citizenship rights. Now, now, you're here long enough to apply, um, so... You put your application in, and how long does it take? And it's a costly process, I believe, Dr. Khan. So so for every six months or a year, as I mentioned, depending on the type of contract you have, you pay hundreds of euros every six months or in a year to become eligible, which is that five-year time. After five years, since I have applied um, since October 2019, which is when my five years were completed, and then there is an endless wait. Um, on the website, it says four months to 24 months. Um, but I know people who have applied for three, four years and still no answer. And it's, it's a bit frustrating um, mm. because when you email them, 90% of the time there is no reply. Um, and those 10% of the time when you get the reply, it's a generic reply. Uh, and just the process, again, obviously, Doctor, for people who wouldn't understand it and wouldn't be familiar with it. So you made your application. I was quite shocked when you said that. You made your application in October of 2019 and, and nothing has progressed to date. What is supposed to happen? Is it an interview process or an, what kind of assessment do they do? No, so, so, so you just wait. Um, there, is, there is no follow-ups. When you change your address, you let them know that I've changed my address and that this is my proof of address and that this is the card station that I've informed that I've, that I've come into the locality of. And uh, they just take note of that and they just send you a letter saying, okay, we have your new address. Uh, but there is no follow-through. Um, so there's there is, not an interview process that you have to wait for or anything, no? No, there's no interview process. So you send about 100, 120 pages of your five years um, wherever you live, three proof of addresses from from every year, um, and all your records and your pay slips and, your, um, and, and everything. And then they just process that so you you in the middle you don't hear anything crikey it, it's a very uncertain time so to be waiting isn't it exactly and that's uh, that's the big uh, frustration uh, for us because after five years when you have the thing that yeah, now i've applied and i might be able to get into a training job to progress in my career 
Um, and then there is another endless wait where you don't know where you're heading and you don't get any replies and um, and that is very depressing. And, and do they even acknowledge your application? They do. They, so for some people, they haven't even done that. But for me in particular, um, they did acknowledge the application, uh, that we have received your application uh, because you send your original passport to them so they have to send you back your, your own passport. Um, but after that, there is there is an endless wait. Now, now you've settled here, doctor, and and do you have family here? Yes. So I have two uh, two beautiful daughters. Um, those are born here, actually. So they're um, so I and I have a wife. So I have family here. Yeah. You want to you want to make your home here and and all of that. Yeah. Yes, it's, and it's, this is, uh, I mean, like you are uh, being the healthcare professional and and anyone i suppose would want to uh, be a role model for their daughters and uh, try and be the best you can uh, but you can progress in your career um, if you want to make a place your own home and and to train and then and, and be a consultant one day for example but you can't when you're waiting an endless wait and then you know training at a particular time um you can't really do the training after a certain time in your life, I suppose. Now, you've been working uh, throughout the pandemic on the front line. You actually got COVID-19, I believe, did you? Yes. So I was diagnosed with, um, with COVID um, only a few days ago and currently isolating. Okay. And how are you feeling? Um, just temperatures um, and cough and fatigue, um, like most of the people. Uh, but I'm fine. I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. The fatigue, just your medical hat for a second, if you wouldn't mind. The fatigue seems to be staying with a lot of people a long time. Now, speaking as a doctor, can can you explain why that is, or do you know? Um, so long COVID is a thing that's, you know, that's a debate, and it's, it's much to be known about in the coming months or even years. Uh, the fatigue with a viral infection is is common with any kind of viral infection during yeah. that time. The fact that the fatigue from long COVID, as so to speak, kind of stays on for longer, is a thing that needs to be looked at. And yeah. uh, no more uh, down the line once in yeah. years, I suppose, uh, as so, more research, uh, you know, so goes into it. Well, I wish I wish you well in in your recovery. And um, when are you, when are you due back at work? So it will be, if I have no symptoms, it will have to be next week. Okay. I wish you well, uh, both in your recovery and I wish you well in the, in the pro- processing of your, of your citizenship application. Because for, for, to, to me anyway, you sound like the kind of person we want and more of you. And the best of luck to you and your young family. Thank you. Thanks, PJ. Thank you very much, Dr. Janine Khan. It's been here for six years, applied for citizenship in October 2019, got his acknowledgement and nothing since. Very slow process. Very slow. You'd think that we'd be baiting down the door to make citizens out of these fine people, wouldn't you? 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With Lehan Motors, leading the way for Toyota hybrids. The place to order your 211 Toyota. See lehanmotors.ie. The Takeover. On Cork's 96FM. Weeknights from 7 on the Big Drive Home. We give you the chance to take charge of our tunes. Join me, Lorraine, as you decide what songs we fire up. Fire up. Fire up. Fire up. Fire up. Fire up. 
what we play. With Cork Dental Care, take the first step to smiling with confidence. See CorkDentalCare.com. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. Just interesting the way social media uh, it almost anticipates what you're thinking these days. It, it's a sinister thing in a way, but it does. And on my own Facebook page this morning, you might see uh, a picture that I've shared from this time around 2012. Uh, the anniversary occurs around this time of uh, my late great friend, John McCarthy, Mad John, as he was known, the founder of Mad Pride. And I was only thinking of John when I saw the photograph this morning with all the talk about mental health and the effects of lockdown on mental health and all that. I wonder what he'd have to say. One thing is for absolute sure, anyway, he would have had plenty to say. And today is his anniversary. And anyone who knew him, anyone ever dealt with uh, Mad John Mack, as he was known, he was one of the legends. And uh, I miss my friend uh, at times like this. I really, really do. 1850-715-996. There was a lovely video. I saw it on Cork Bureau, but it was doing the rounds in general. Uh, lovely. It was uh, someone, a very hazardous video. There was a swan got frozen into the ice of the lock. Yes, I guess it does happen. Sit there long enough and you're going to get frozen into it. And it happened over the weekend. Sharon Hussey, you came across this scene, did you? Good morning. Hi, Peter. How are you? Hi. You, yeah, you came um, across it. Just, yeah, describe we what you found. Yeah, we were at the yesterday morning with um, the kids and we were just walking along. Um, first of all, we couldn't really believe that the lock was even frozen over. We had to see it to believe it. Um, and as we were coming along, there was um, a bit of a commotion with some people gathering and there was a guard there. Um, and as we got closer, we kind of realised um, the swan that everyone was looking at wasn't moving. Um, so people were just kind of saying the guard was um, asking people really, um, did anyone have suggestions on what we could do to help free the swan? Obviously, yeah. it was too far to kind of walk out to or even too far to throw something um, and then the thickness of the ice was another issue. We didn't know was yeah, it. Yeah, it, it wasn't thick? by any way thick enough was to it walk. Thin? Out, so. We didn't know. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, so um, it wasn't long after. Then um, a guy came along in his van. Um, somebody I think had the idea of um, using MDF boards um, to try and get out to the swan. I mean, the bravery just alone, at, like that. Now again, of not knowing how fast it was going to break um and what would happen but um a guy came along i think his company was russell landscaping um, and he came along with his little lad in the van with him and um out he got and started ripping out the sheets of mdf and not about it to him and another bystander um they just started putting it on the lock now i'm from the area so it was very surreal to see this even happening in the water um yeah. and yeah and with the commotion i suppose the fear alone of the swan made it start to move and um, the closer that they got, um, the swan eventually released itself. So it was great. It literally flew off into the sunset kind of moment. Yeah. But um, I, As he so was getting out along the bits of plywood, whoever was doing it, I, I was kind of saying to myself, you do realise a swan can take your eye out <laughs> if they go for you. I know. And to be honest, like... I really just can't even believe the bravery of them. It's just they didn't even think like they weren't even going slowly thinking like, oh, genie's just going to go any second now or not about bother them. They're just like doing the job and like that. Now, the swan in the end, um, thankfully, they didn't have to get too close to see what yeah. could have happened. But he um, he got himself out of the situation. Brilliant. Which is great. You mentioned, you mentioned Russell Landscaping. Stay there, Sharon. Sean, good morning. Hi, PJ. How are you? How you just came across you? this, did you? Uh, well, 
I was um I went for a run earlier in the morning and um I, I actually saw that lot, that swan sitting on the ice, but I didn't pay much attention to him. He looked kind of happy enough. But then about two hours later, I was uh, in my bedroom looking out the window, and I seen a I saw a, lot, a large guard ring, and then I saw someone flag down a a guard car. So um, I knew then it was everyone was looking at the swan, but I couldn't see the swan the swan from my from my room, but I. I knew I, I kind of guessed that's that's what they were looking yeah. at. So I said I'd, uh, I'd go down and um, have a look and um, see if there was anything I could do. And um, I asked the guard, um, "What is the plan?" And um, she was like, "Oh, um, I don't know. Um, will, will anyone?" Uh, she wanted she wanted to know would, would anyone be brave enough to go out in the ice? And I said, mm, "No, that might be a good idea." Yeah, you, might get out, you might get out a foot or so, but you wouldn't get yeah. any further than that. Yeah. She was half tempted to go out herself, but um, I said, hold on now, I, I have MDF boards at home, or plywood boards. I've, um, I've, I've a good shot, shot a good load, uh, load of them up in my house, and I, I'll go up, and I'll um, bring down some. So I'm only two two minutes up the road, right. and I loaded up the van then with four sheets of plywood, and I came back down, and um, we the, the lads that were there, there was two men there that, that helped me, um, Robbie Hearn and another man by the name of Jell, G-E-L, but I forget his second name, and right. Laura O'Connor was the name of the, the, the Garda. And okay. uh, we all helped each other get the plywood boards out, and Robbie Hearn yeah. suggested he'd go out in, this, out in the ice because he was um, lighter than me. And um, so it was Robbie and Jell who kind of went out, and we all lifted the boards out together, and... Um, as, you as slid the, I see from the video you slid them out because obviously even if even if they did even if the ice did crack you'd float on these things for, yeah, for a while the, 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 we, we just spread out the weight of the of the person on the on the ice but um, I was quite happy that it wasn't going to um, break because we were out in the we, every with the last four days before that every day I was taking um, my children down there um, Tom Archie and Robert down to the, down to the ice with the we'd um remote control cars that we put out in the ice every single day. Oh, really? So I yeah. kind of knew how thick the ice was getting every day. It was getting thicker and thicker. So um, we were out there every day breaking the ice with, with um, other ice. And that day was the, the, uh, as cold as, it was, as thick as the ice was. So I knew that yeah. um, if by putting them boards out, we would have um, been fairly yeah. safe. Did did anyone realise? I suppose you did. As as the the lads were crawling out along to see could they get to the swan, like a frightened swan could turn on you and do you harm. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> no one thought, thought about that. But um, I, I I I I I kind of I I was kind of thinking that if you got out closer to him, that he would have freed himself, and that he would have started flapping his wings, and that's exactly what happened. Because Good. actually. About four days before that, there was another swan stuck in the lake, and uh, we had the remote control cars, and he was stuck in a small little bit of ice or water within the ice. And I kind of sent my um, remote control car out really slow, out closer and closer to him, because there was another big um, crowd of people gathered around there. And as I got about three meters up to him with the remote control car, he started flapping his wings, and he 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 managed to get himself out as well. So, um, it seemed um. You're an innovative type, Sean. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got. To, I think I got most use out of those remote control cars. I did, did more than my my children. Yeah, you never thought you lived. Thanks to Sean. Back to you, Sharon. You 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 never thought you'd see the likes of this. You know, for an ordinary walk with the lads, did you? 
never ever to be honest, from there and all the years going out the lock um, I would never have thought to see someone like walking on the lock really I mean it was very yeah. serious you know, it hasn't frozen the, um, over in, in quite, a few, quite a few years. It hasn't frozen yeah, over and, in quite Yeah, um, and as he was saying, the thickness, like you, you didn't know, obviously, but in some parts it had broken and um, my son got a bit. And I mean, you're talking like an inch and a half, two inches thickness. It, it was it was amazing to see actually how thick it really did get. Um, yeah. So the whole thing was very surreal to see. Yeah, well, a great, a great, resp- a great result for, for the Swan and a uh, nice bit of cooperation by the locals. Listen, thank you very much. Yeah. Sharon Hussey, who no came problem. across it, and Sean Russell, the men who put out the boards. And to, is it, did you say Jill was one of the names and the other name was what, Sean? Uh, Jill, I forget his second name. Uh, Jill Jen Coleman, I think. Jen Coleman, yeah, that's him. Yeah. And yeah. Robbie Ahern, they're both um, okay. from, from around the lock. Um, well, well done to the two lads and well done to to everyone for getting involved in that. 1850 Nice little one uh, to finish the day. The programme edited by Terry Brennan, produced and researched by Fergal Barry. Thanks, as always, to Wayne back at base on the desk. And we'll see you tomorrow, just after nine. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.